0: Hey, everybody, welcome to Stuff Said, the show where I, Greg Siegel cartoonist, talk to people in the worlds of comics, cartooning, and beyond. On this episode, I am talking to Robert Kirkman. This is part one of a two-part extravaganza with the writer and co-creator of things like The Walking Dead and Invincible and Super Dinosaur and Outcast. And if you're a regular listener to Stuff Said, you might be wondering, hey, why break it up? You normally release one big, long show. I'm trying something new in terms of downloads. I'm I'm wondering if my original system, if you go back to the archives of breaking the big interviews up into two parts, creates a more download, something about SEO. I don't know all the details. I am admittedly a fool in this department in understanding how downloads and stuff work. You'd think I would know better by now, having done this show for as long as I have. But I'm a dunce. So I'm trying this again. Two parts. Part one today, the first. And then on April 15th, you'll hear the rest. This first part, though, (laughs) is... I'm afraid to telegraph too much, but it is fascinating. And... It's, it almost stands on its own, which is another reason why I'm, I'm breaking them up. But we cover a lot of ground. It is not an hour of Walking Dead talk. I specifically did not want to just talk about The Walking Dead. And I think Robert didn't want to just talk about The Walking Dead. And I think that shows in, in what you're about to hear. Which went in a different direction than even I expected it to go. But you know what? I will just get things started so a quick note about the audio which i know if i don't say anything at all nobody would probably notice but there's something hinky with robert's microphone so there's a little bit of a digitization i don't know if that's the right word for it to his voice you will get used to it and it'll stop being a thing that you would even notice so i probably should have mentioned it at all So, with all that blah, blah, blah out of the way, here's my talk with Robert. Stick around for afterwards. I have important announcements that you will want to hear. And now, let's start the actual show.
1: Even
0: how you forgot that I was supposed to be here.
1: You know, I, 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 you did catch me by surprise. You know, I was hanging out, and uh, I'm like, wait, who, who, what's going on here? Who's this guy? For, for, all I, for all I know, you could have been some guy trying to kill me. That's, I suppose that's true,
0: although, you know, you, your wife answered. I just said, I'm here to see Robert. Yeah. Right.
1: Well, you know, I, I suppose somebody coming here trying to kill me probably wouldn't know my name, right? I guess yeah. I have never tried to kill anybody, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to. I'll have to have a talk with my wife later. Okay. Well, for but what you're it's here, learned,
0: you're here now. Let, let's get rolling. I'm here, yeah, absolutely. So let's yeah, okay, let's get rolling. Uh, I like to start. You've listened to the show. You know how this goes. I, well, I've, I've listened, listened
1: to a few episodes. All right, Okay. Yeah, I don't expect you I to li- listen to all of them. I a listened lot. To, to Otley. Right. Jason Howard's episode. You know the guys that I work with. Sure. Sure. Because there's a chance they might talk about you. Yeah, there, there's always that chance. I suppose
0: that's not necessarily the reason why I listen to them. Of but... course, of course not. I would never. I would never imply as much. So I, I usually start by talking about first meetings, first experiences in, in each other's presence. I don't know if you remember this at all. Oh,
1: jeez. What's that? Well, was was I a jerk to you? Because a lot of times, you know, I can say things. I try to make jokes, and people take it the wrong way. I... Well, here's
0: I can tell you what happened. We were at a convention. I believe it was a Heroes Con. It was also probably the first time I met Ryan, and we were all being introduced, and it was it was brought up that I used to work at Marvel Comics. I was an assistant editor there. Oh geez, and you and no, you're you it wasn't bad at all. You were just like, how come you never hired me? Well, how come you didn't ever hire me? Well, okay, so that brings that brings up the question. The question I want to start with, which is, what kind of work? This would have been ninety eight, ninety nine. So, well, you know, th- to be honest, I was just joking around. You know, yeah, I know. I, I well. You might have been joking around with me, but I'm curious because this was pre-Battle Pope. I'm curious what kind of work were you even submitting to to the big companies to to get work that they might have hired you from.
1: Well, I, I really wasn't submitting anything to to Marvel at that time. Uh, I was working. I was actually in the process of working on Battle Pope. You said ninety eight, ninety nine, around yeah. Then. So yeah, yeah, it was pretty much Battle Pope at that point. So
0: you never you never submitted anything.
1: Anyone? Well, I had submitted earlier. Before that, I had sent some submissions into DC Comics. Okay. Why? Why DC? Yeah, like why specifically well, DC? You know, when I when I when I was a young comic book fan, I was you know really enamored with a certain group of books that Marvel Comics was was printing. You know, your Amazing Spider-Man by Eric Larson, the adjective list, of Spider-Man, Todd McFarland, uh, Mark Silvestri was was doing Wolverine, Jim Lee was on X Men. Wills Portacio on Uncanny X-Men, and Jim Valentino on Guardians of the Galaxy. That was great. I like Guardians of the Galaxy. It was a great book. Yeah. Right? And, you know, when I found out that all of my favorite creators on those books were leaving Marvel to go start their own company, I, I couldn't believe it. My mind blew. Yeah. And I was excited. And, you know, before, as image formed, you know, at first I didn't understand anything about behind the scenes, but they started explaining – why they were doing this and creator owns and creator rights and all that sort of thing and it all sounded it all made sense to me. So I was on that creator own path, you know, right from the very beginning.
0: So then, how does that tie back to submitting a DC?
1: Well, like I said, you know, I, I started looking up more all the information I could on on these guys and and actually some of them started at DC Comics. Todd McFarlane on Infinity Inc. That's right. Yeah. There uh, Eric Larson was on Doom Patrol. Sure. Rob Liefeld was on Hawk and Dove. Hawk and Dove. Yeah. Absolutely. I forgot to mention he was my other favorite Marvel guy. He was working on X-Force.
0: That's right. Of course. Those are huge books. They were. Yeah. They sold a shit ton of books back then. Oh, look, I, I had copies of all that stuff. There's there's no
1: question about I mean, it. I know it's not cool to say it now. It's not the popular opinion now, but back then, they were running things.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, that's how they were able to leave, right? And And take their audience with them for the most part. Well, yeah. So... That having gotten into your brain, apparently you didn't get work at D.C., so you were working on Battle
1: Oh, uh, you, know, you know, again, I, I was just this kid, you know, out of high school, uh, you know, uh, or still in high school, actually, sending, you know, crazy. I, I didn't know how anything about yeah, how guess, things worked,
0: you know. I guess not everybody can be Rob Liefeld or Neil Adams, who at 19 is just like hit the ground running. Right. And they're just off to the races.
1: Plus, you know, I was trying to draw things too, and you know, as you, you've never probably seen any of my published I work. I have
0: not. No, I've heard, I've read yeah. about it. Yeah, there's a good reason
1: for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have read. There was a there
0: was a between the ropes. Yeah.
1: The uh. Well, yeah, that was uh, solicited through Diamond, but it never yeah. actually happened. But it was a it was a wrestling book.
0: Yeah, that you drew. Right. That I've, I read somewhere. You are like this? Is the worst thing ever. No one will ever see it.
1: <laughs> well, you know what i to think of it. I'll bet you. I, I'll bet you now. I could sell a shit ton of those books. Yeah, I would
0: imagine whoever got that submission at Diamond could probably sell that, like that photocopied thing, for quite a bit on eBay.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm sure they know exactly where it is too.
0: <laughs> Diamond's very good at keeping things and, in, in and flow, very well-organized order. Yeah, they,
1: they, I'm sure they have a filing cabinet with a.
0: That's something I probably shouldn't be saying. I'm the one who's going to get in trouble now. Well, why is that? Well, because I have a book with Diamond and. You have a book with Diamond. Will yeah. Diamond distribute in
1: your book? Yeah, he probably shouldn't say anything remotely. Well, look, you know they they have they clearly they treat certain publishers better than others. And
0: yeah, I yeah,
1: front of the book, front of the book is where it's at.
0: So can we can we talk about Battle Pope? Okay. What do you want to know about Battle Pope? <laughs> okay, I want to know. So what was obviously you were you were trying to break into comics? You were trying to get your name out there. You didn't get anything to take off at DC, whatever you were pitching. So, why 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 start with Battle Pope? Well, I I decided like that why not do between the ropes or with a, with an artist or something
1: like why Battle Pope? At the time, I thought that Battle Pope had the most potential to sell the most books. I I, re, I really thought that I was out onto something with Battle Pope. I thought I had the the chance to legitimately sell more comic books than anybody else publishing at that time.
0: Was this just because? Like, well, was it, was it a, it's the Pope. So many people love the Pope or was it people are going to think this is like a religious thing and that just gets people talking.
1: It's, it's the market of the, the religious segment of the, of this country. There's so many of those people. And at the same time, th- those are the same people that support all of the wars that we get into. Okay. <laughs> And I figure if I combine those two things, this I'm tapping into a market that doesn't typically buy comic books, and I'm delivering them the greatest action hero that they've ever heard of. Battle Pope. Battle Pope. Although at first I thought maybe Battle Priest. Okay. Or Battle Nun, but there was that Alita Battle Angel. And yes. there, was a, there was a nun book too, I believe.
0: I mean, Roger Langridge had Knuckles the Malevolent Nun. That's, that's, not, that's, that's a whole different animal.
1: And then she sounds like a villain. Malevolent?
0: <laughs> yeah, she was not
1: pleasant. There, was... There's a book title for you.
0: Malevolent. But somebody's going to confuse that with Maleficent.
1: Maleficent. You know, th- that that came out. Of, I didn't know the name of that character from Snow White. And all of a sudden there was this movie called Maleficent. And I, it had Angelina Jolie. I know who she is. I know yeah. Snow White. I was like, who's this Maleficent? That's, that's her name? Not to, it's Sleeping Beauty. Sleeping Beauty? Yeah. All right, never mind. Well, look,
0: not everybody's a Disney head. Not me. <laughs> Cle- clearly, which is perfectly fine.
1: But, you know the things that I'm interested in about about Disney. Yeah, they're they're less about you know the old movies that they used to do and their old properties, and more about the new stuff. Yeah, yeah. No, Disney's
0: a whole different beast. We, sure. We we don't have to get into Disney. Well, well, what are we getting into? We're talking
1: about Battle Pope. Battle Pope.
0: You so, were saying that you, you were you might have gone with priest or nun. So you went Pope Adele. And
1: I White went all Pope. the way up up to Pope because I thought, well, you know, he's the top of the top.
0: Now, is he the top of the top, or is God or Jesus the top of the top?
1: Well, when you when you talk about God or Jesus, then you start talking about characters with with powers. And sure. These days, you know, these days, and especially back then, at the same time, a lot of people preferred their superheroes to not have powers. They wanted their realistic characters, like people prefer Batman over Superman, and the reason that they most often cite is that he's more realistic and he doesn't have powers. Right. And what they really like about him is when he's able to beat Superman, that's true, yeah, so I thought the Pope he's a regular guy, he's just imbued with a certain level of authority, but he's a regular guy, just like you or me anybody any of us could relate to the Pope. well, <laughs> he's just your average
0: joe i i mean here's a, here's what I know about the pope uh they they're there forever, and then Recently, the guy retired. Like he just decided oh, he wanted yeah, to. Be well, Pope you anymore. just contradicted yourself there. Well,
1: I'm He's saying there forever. He wouldn't have
0: retired. There wouldn't be a new one. Well, that that was a rare thing. But then they do the thing with the smoke coming out of the chimney, like it's black smoke or white. I don't know. Look, man, I'll tell you this. Yeah, I don't understand that whole
1: deal. I this am.
0: Stuff. Yeah, I. I okay, because as a, as a Jew, I just don't know much about the Pope.
1: Well, if I'm being completely honest with you, please. Uh, I, I don't know all that much about the Pope either. And um, unlike you know all of the. The things that you you read in the Bible and all all the religious, uh, the rules that there are, you know, I, I, I just I decided I wasn't going to waste my time researching that. This is supposed to be an adventure comic, and all, all the stuff in Battle Pope is really just a bunch of made up nonsense.
0: <laughs> okay, all right. all right, that's fair enough. It's uh, comic books, right?
1: Exactly. Yeah. So I thought, you know, th- this audience they'll they'll be ready for, you know. Uh, A a cool, imaginative, uh, fantasy take on on the Pope, but I was wrong.
0: Uh, You know, I'm sure there are people that loved it. Were did anybody ever get mad? Like, were there people that were calling for your head? Like, how dare you blasphemy? Blasphemy?
1: Um, There was there was a few a few people here and there, but nothing that ever really made made much of a waves. Nobody's really is it
0: blasphemy? it's blasphemer right?
1: We can say blasphemy. (laughs) That sounds like a good comic book title right there. (laughs)
0: All right. Skybound this presents blasphemy. Well, you know, you write up
1: you write up a pitch and then we'll take a look at it.
0: I'm on it. So after Battle Pope, you know, there's a few things you did that didn't that also didn't quite take off. Which isn't to say I mean you did what eight, eleven issues of Battle Pope on your own? Yeah. That's pretty significant.
1: I thought so. But it
0: just wasn't the, it wasn't the monster you thought it was it going didn't, it to be. Didn't
1: be. It didn't have that level of success. And, you know, you can either you could double down and work out one thing for your whole life and hope that it, eventually all that work pays off. Or you could try new things. And since I wasn't drawing these books, I had all these ideas. I, I tried as many different ideas as I could.
0: Right. So you had Tech Jacket. You had, uh, what were the other ones that you were doing early on? Cloudfall. Cloudfall. Sure. I think that might have been the first thing of yours I ever read really yeah. cloud cloud fall, <laughs> yeah, I don't remember anything about it
1: <laughs> well, sorry well you're not you're not alone there, <laughs> uh, uh to be honest, I don't quite remember much of it myself <laughs>
0: that is perfectly well, you've written a lot of stuff since then,
1: and yeah, written a lot yeah, I mean, I think most notably uh what what really seemed to hit stride with with, with me was invincible and walking dead with image.
0: Let's talk about invincible, so. I'm very interested in so invincible launches in 2003. Uh-huh. Right? And you're launching a superhero book from an independent publisher technically Image Comics, right? Creator owned independent comics. You're launching a superhero book in a market that then and now and for since 1974 has been dominated by superhero comics from the big companies. So seems ballsy well, it, it, to what, launch a superhero book at that point. What
1: we were trying to do uh, was – because Image launched with all superhero comics, and yes. they launched spectacularly. They did fantastically. And this was about 10 years later, 11, 12 years later. In ninety two
0: to two thousand two.
1: Yeah, and Image Comics had kind of, you know, evolved into something that wasn't so superhero heavy.
0: Right, that too. And so
1: Jim Valentino decided, you know, let us let's, let's see if we can make an initiative to bring, you know, create some new superhero books at Image and kind of a return to the roots and see if that they can replicate some of that early success. So Invincible was part of a of a launch of, of four superhero books. There was also Firebreather, Venture, and Dominion. Right. So I, I know those
0: other books, and I know Venture was ostensibly a miniseries, and I don't remember Firebreather was intended to be a mini series. but you launched Invincible, ongoing series, out of the gate, and you, again, the, you're going up against established big names, tr- like, you know, trademark names, things that people know. Yeah, well,
1: I mean, nobody's saying, at no point did I ever think that this was going to be easy, this was just something that, it was my dream, this is what I wanted to do. And I was always inspired by the original image creators. Sure. And so again, I'm following in their footsteps and I'm bringing a a superhero book to image comics, just like my heroes, right. Image founders. And, um, the plan was create my own superhero universe, just the the same way that they did. And the idea would be, this was going to, I was going to make this the superhero comic that I always wanted to read the superhero comic that had everything that you could possibly need in it all in the same book, all kinds of characters, all different kinds of teams, all kinds of crazy villains. They all be centered around invincible. So I understand all that. So then
0: but I still am still curious about launching a superhero book where your real competition is Marvel and DC and the and the big companies and well, their I was, established I was, superheroes. I,
1: I was just I was ready to compete.
0: And how are you planning to compete? I mean again, I I know this is somebody who Who's in comics, and you see somebody try and launch an independent book, and well, just, you, know, know, you know, people want Spider Man, people want Batman.
1: Again, you know, I was trying to follow in the footsteps of the Image founders when, when, when they broke off and created Image at the at a t- time in comic book history when everything was perfect. People, people criticized them. They thought they were all going to fail. Some people did. So you, you never get anywhere if you
0: don't try. Sure. So again, the, I guess the, the the question I'm getting at is, how were you planning to? What was going to make Invincible compete with the things people knew? Well, I think How were you going to take those guys? Well, on? I
1: think the big companies did did a lot of things that a lot of fans, a lot of readers were frustrated with, like me. Which is, you know, your your giant event event books, your crossovers. You got to buy nine different titles just to find out like what happens. So my idea was, I was going to put all the all the excitement, all the greatest things that you liked about superheroes, were going to be available in one single book. So one book a month, you get all the excitement that you get from the big companies without having to spend extra money and track down different comic books that you wouldn't otherwise want to buy anyway. So the
0: idea was one-stop shopping. One-stop superhero shopping, Invincible is the only book you need. Exactly. And if you could pull all the people who are reading Avengers and Justice League and Superman and the
1: Hulk. What's one more superhero that they're buying? Spider-Man, Superman, Hulk, Captain mm-hmm. Man, all those, all those things. And then they read my book, and it has all of the things in those other books combined. I thought I had a shot. I oh, thought I, mean, I was onto I something.
0: I guess the future's not written, right? It could still happen, maybe. Hey,
1: you know, I'm, I'm still working. I'm still working my best to to make that happen.
0: I mean, look, I read the book. I dig it. I think it's great. I think more people should read it. I appreciate that. I think it, on some level, it kind of is the one superhero book. You kind of get everything you need. All the And Ryan Otley's awesome. Oh, yeah,
1: absolutely. I mean, no disrespect to you, but
0: Ryan Otley is like...
1: Well, you know, I, I, I realized early on, if I wanted a successful comic book, Greg, yeah, that uh, I should try and get people who are really talented to draw these comic books. Well, you've done and, a nice job with and, that. And like like I said, there's a reason I'm not drawing them.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I would love to see some of your drawings. That'd be great. But I think Ryan Otley's tops. Yeah, he is. He is tops. And a heck of a guy, too. He sure is. Yeah. So is the title "Invincible"? Is there like a double meaning to it? Where on the one hand that's the character's name, "Invincible," but on the other hand it's like this is the book that can't be beat. This is the book that, like, is unbeatable. Was that part of your intent of calling it "Invincible"?
1: Well, initially we were gonna call him "Bulletproof." Okay, so no, it was not a, a metaphor. And then we found out that uh, you know somebody else had it, but but the idea is the same. Uh, bulletproof and Invincible are not far off in what they mean. And yes, it. There, there is a you know you want your superhero to be the best superhero ever.
0: Sure. And no, but I'm saying it wasn't it wasn't like a a bigger metaphor to like the comic industry like this book will is unbeatable. Yeah, I like the way that sounds. Sure, it's a metaphor. It Makes me sound smarter. <laughs> sure, uh, anything I can do to make you sound smarter, I'll edit this thing. You'll sound like a genius. I hope so. All right, no problem. I uh, I could use some of the help in that department. <laughs> sound like a genius. Sure. You just got to start wearing one of those graduation caps. Everybody'll think you're an owl. What, what am I? What, what, Who am I, Lanny Poffo? Yeah, Leaping Lanny Poffo. Exactly. Oh, old old school 80s wrestling. Yeah. Between the ropes. Between the ropes. Man, whoever you are at Diamond with that thing, find it. Because Diamond people listen to this. Don't hold your breath, Greg. (laughs) Okay, so something interesting about Invincible that I noticed is not long after Invincible, it almost seemed to start a trend of its own which is books with adjectives as the name. So Mark Wade wrote uh, Irredeemable and Incorruptible and now with Thrillbent he's doing Insufferable and then there was Unthinkable which Mark Sable uh, was writing. Yeah. He also wrote a book called Grounded which is sort of an adjective. I know there are others.
1: Yeah, you know there's there's a bunch of those uh, every once in a while somebody mentions what you just did. and I, I wouldn't have given it much thought but you know, so, so I am aware of the books like Courageous by Ron Buckingham, uh Dexter Pearson's Unbelievable, Roger K. Sanders' Sensational.
0: That's right. That's the one Doug Fern is drawing that one. And there's those two books by Michael Stevens. You got Mighty, which is drawn by Joanne Shen and Uncanny, right, right. Brian Ches. Uh-huh. Uh
1: huh. Unpredictable by the Michaels brothers, Steven and Dave Michaels. Where did those guys come from?
0: I have no idea. But, but
1: that's a pretty good book.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I would have you know, I wouldn't have predicted it. Uh-huh. Right? There you go. Yeah. Uh, do not forget. I can't believe we forgot this one. Vincible by Bert Sellers. Oh,
1: jeez. Yeah, that one. <laughs> but then also John Layman, Rob Guillory, are with uh, "Delectable."
0: That's supposed to be like a TV show or something, right?
1: Uh, well, you know, it's you know it supposed it, to be a TV show. It, it, everything is out there, you know, trying to get optioned and such. You know, I don't, I don't know the exact state of their situation right now, but I, I think that's something I've heard. Sure. Sure.
0: There's also incorrigible by Foxer, right, right, and There's relatable a, by Ricardo Grimes. Uh-huh.
1: unrelentable, Sonia Esther's Clip Hansen,
0: right, right, realistical by Alan Moore and Debbie Harry.
1: That's actually pretty. That's a. Have you read that book?
0: I have not. I have not. I haven't read a, an Alan Moore book in a long time. Yeah.
1: Well, that guy, man. Some. I'll, I'll just
0: say you should give that a read. All right. I'll I will check it out. Have you ever read the Brian Crow book, Impenetrable?
1: Uh, I know about it. I haven't read it yet. That, that's another thing about you know. Working so hard, having so many ideas, especially with the TV shows, it's uh, not, not as much time to read about everything else that's going on.
0: Well, I can tell you the Keith Shuckers art in that book is pretty sweet.
1: He's, Keith Shuckers is tops, too.
0: Yeah, yeah. And now, and not even in comics, though, but, like, movies are doing it. You get Tangled, like Disney movies. Speaking of Disney, Tangled, Brave, Frozen. And then there's that, speaking of Angela Jolie, there's that movie Unbroken that I think she was involved in some. So you really started a trend. Yeah, Disney's really,
1: uh, well, I'll, I'll deal with Disney
0: other time now another book you do that is not really an adjective although i guess i guess walking could be an adjective is the walking dead this is the big one walking walking
1: (laughs) walking walkington yeah walkington (laughs) that book's named after where i'm from walkington kentucky okay now walking greg is not an adjective well, if, I know that much.
0: No, because if you said...
1: It's a verb. No, because if
0: you said Greg is walking, is is the verb.
1: And walking is the... Ad, I, well, there you
0: go. I mean, that's a bad sentence. That's passive voice. You should say Greg walks. Walking. I should not that's, that's the problem with that book. In fact... That's, in the, the re, that's, the, that's what's stopping that book from being successful. Well, and, look, the wrong name. There's no question the book is successful, but technically in this title, walking is an adjective modifying dead.
1: Well, you know, I never said I knew everything about riding. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, okay, in fairness though, I've never read The Walking Dead. Zombies, the whole zombie fad is just not my thing.
1: Well, you know, I, I appreciate you coming over to my house to <laughs> insult me like this.
0: <laughs> well no, I didn't say it was bad. I just it's Well, like, yeah, I,
1: you'd have to read it to know if it was I, good or bad. I read Invincible. You, you should I, trust what everybody says about that book. It's well, good.
0: Sixty million Elvis fans can't be wrong, right? That's correct. I think I just zombies in general is not a thing I've ever really taken to. Well, you know, I have friends that love it.
1: You know, it's not necessarily you know about the zombies though. The zombies are kind of you know they they form that's just the environment where you know it's a backdrop. You could say that the the zombies themselves are a character in the book, but it, it's it's just basically it's a post apocalyptic setting like any zombie movie that you've seen, except that there's no ending to it. So. I guess the, then then
0: that brings up the question. You've been writing this book for y- over 10 years, 100-plus issues. Do you get tired of, like, this post-apocalyptic, like, everything sucks, doomsday world? Like, how do you—what well, you drives th- you to tell
1: this story? You know, it, any, any writer that gets bored writing a book, you know, it, it's their own fault. If you can't come up with new ideas, then you should just give up and— I always felt like I had new ideas that I could use in the in the Walking Dead universe.
0: But is there more to it than just well, it's post-apocalyptic, not post-apocalyptic. Yeah, everything sucks. Yeah, but, it's the
1: idea says that the guy
0: who's never read it.
1: You might. Yeah, maybe you give me some better questions if you read this book. I'm sorry.
0: I, I guess I've heard people talk about it, and I know that I know that it's like it's about the people surviving in the Walking well, Dead. It's
1: it's an example of the whole world as you know it has just crumbled around, crumbled down, and just everything has changed. But you can still survive, and these characters. I think that it's actually an optimistic take, because these characters figure out how to rebuild society, and then they show that you know life goes on. So you're saying,
0: like, if, if everything we know around us were to disappear, the power structure and everything, you could still create a new world.
1: Yeah, it would. It might take a while. Sure. And it, it's it's not going to happen overnight, and you know you have to put people can. Humanity's going to get back up on its feet.
0: So is is there an ending in mind for Walking Dead? Do you have something that you're you're writing towards? You know,
1: I, I know the ending, but it's not something I want to tell anybody.
0: Okay, sure. Yeah, no, I didn't expect that exclusive uh, on this. It,
1: but you know, things are working that way. When I'm ready to end the book, then then that's what I know what the ending will be. But you know, I, I'm not ready to end the book just yet. All right. Okay.
0: Now, I can only imagine part of the reason you wouldn't want end the book is the even greater success that's come with having a TV show. So there's the Walking Dead TV show is huge. Right. It's probably what more people... I've actually seen a few episodes of that. That's I'm proud of that show. But I'm interested because I've, I've read a bunch of interviews with you, and I know at one point you said that... Was it NBC that wanted to do the show, but...
1: Yeah, that's the, fa- the famous story, about NBC said, you know, wow, well, gosh, you know, uh, we... We really like this show. Uh, does it have to have zombies in it? <laughs> Which seems ridiculous. It it does, but you know you hear these stories all the time, and they're true. So did this?
0: Did I mean you say you hear these stories all the time? Was this? I know the process of getting a TV show made is yeah, well, we tedious. Pitched it, we, we
1: pitched it around to a lot of different places. So
0: was there more of that kind of thing? Where
1: oh oh yeah sure. Like uh, what? Like well, uh, let me see, let me think here. Uh, well, ABC, uh, they wanted they wanted to make it more of a romantic drama, which I I thought would kind of change the tone.
0: Yeah, how like what would the love story be? Well, they wanted to make Laurie
1: into a zombie, and and, it and be, which who is who is Lori? Laurie was Rick's wife.
0: Okay, Rick Grimes is the main guy.
1: Yeah, and I you know obviously that that wasn't really where I wanted to go with it. It was way too much of a departure from the regular book. Sure, sure. Then there was uh, CBS. They wanted it to be more of like a police procedural. Yeah, that's CBS is stock show. and trade. But the uh, the twist was gonna be that Rick Grimes was was a detective, so he'd okay. still be a cop. Right. But he would also be a zombie.
0: <laughs> okay. And, would he be like investigating zombie crimes or he'd just be a zombie well, I, investigator? I think, I
1: think the idea was that he would use his zombie powers and his zombie skills to, to figure out what other zombies were up to. Okay. Which again, not really what the book was about so yeah. much. Let's see. Somebody wanted to do a show. I think it was Fox wanted to do it all from the zombies' point of view. So it was about the community of zombies and how they related to each other. I'm like, have you like read sh- this like, book? Like the show Caveman? I haven't seen the show Caveman. Well,
0: the show, Caveman was a comedy. Oh, you mean like the Geico
1: Caveman? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, they, they wanted it to be about the zombies and how the zombies survived. And I thought, you know, that's that's not it at all. You know, everybody's focusing on on uh, the zombies like you did you know, the, they think it's the zombie fan and and it's not. It's about the people surviving in a in a zombie environment. Sure, sure. The C, CW, you know, they wanted to make it young and they want to make zombies young and hip. For sure. Their, for their young and hip crowd. So it was gonna be they had a they had an idea. They wanted to make it about a girl who was young and and beautiful. I don't know if you ever seen a zombie before like, but that's like, so beautiful. Oh,
0: they wanted the girl to be a zombie? Yeah. That's weird. See, she, I thought I thought they were like instead of like maybe instead of Rick Grimes would be Ricky Grimes and
1: she's the only zombie in it. <laughs> that seems insane. Well, again, you know, they they could go make their own show if they want to.
0: I suppose that's true. Yeah, so so that's all the networks. Like what about like cable? Well,
1: well TV, TBS was interested. They wanted to make it a half-hour comedy. A oh, sitcom right. with zombies in it. Like, hey, I guess I guess the idea would be, you know, Oh, it's my wacky neighbor, the zombie over there on the other side of the fence. So what's he up to?
0: If you can make a show, you know, like dinosaurs. Z-
1: oh, uh, <laughs> my my next door neighbor, the zombie, is not invited to dinner, but he showed up anyway. Well, I
0: guess I guess a half hour comedy isn't unprecedented. I mean, you had the Munsters in the '60s.
1: Yeah, that, that's true. I suppose, mm-hmm. uh, although it just
0: it's not it's not clearly not what you intended with uh, the Walking Dead.
1: Uh, yeah, exactly. You know, mm-hmm. there's you know everybody wants to put their own spin on things everybody thinks that they know how to make a thing better so you know I, i'm just lucky that it that it turned out the right way
0: now what about sci-fi sci-fi seems like a network that would have been
1: yeah yeah we yeah, we are i think met with them uh, they wanted to make it a reality show but i'm not sure how you exactly do that <laughs> yeah me neither that is or or a pseudo reality i don't know but uh you yeah, know it wasn't it wasn't what i wanted and then what about the the pay channels like
0: everybody talks about Everything else, like oh, that's got to be on HBO because HBO they can, they could do it right or Showtime or any of these networks. Yeah, the
1: thing about all the the pay channels, HBO and Showtime and all that, is uh, that they seem to really embrace the idea of like inserting or putting putting put, put a lot of sexual scenes. You know, Game of Thrones, every, it's it's a fantasy show, but yeah, there's all like, kinds. Of, everybody talks about the sex and the nudity in it. Yeah, uh, that's what they wanted with Walking Dead. Like they, zombie sex, they wanted zombies having, sex. they wanted to have you know human zombie sexual interrelations and That's... all. And, uh, I, I wonder. I wonder sometimes. I understand the appeal of sex appeal, but I don't think that they understand it <laughs> so much. I mean, maybe they've pushed the envelope as far as they think they can already, and this is the only way to make it more crazy. But I don't think anybody wants to see zombies having sex.
0: I know that I don't, but again, as established, zombies aren't my thing
1: well the the show that we got there's no zombie sex in it, and i'm I'm happy that it turned out that way yeah
0: I think I think it ended up uh things ended up a okay now i'd I'd be remiss not to ask because it seems to happen quite a bit, like you know people do comics they those comics get turned into movies or cartoons or what have you. There must be a pull to maybe leave comics like you you're now finding success elsewhere. Well, you, a certain degree of fame beyond comics is there? Is there any temptation to say, "All right, comics loved you, but I'm out of
1: here"? Uh, no, no. I mean, com- comics have always been my first love, and uh, I've had a lot of success with comics, and I'm very comfortable creating comics in that environment. Now, I'm not going to lie and say that I don't also enjoy the Walking Dead TV show, and there's other things in the works that you know I can't really talk about, but you know I'm open to those options because. I, I certainly don't have any any problem uh, supplementing the income, but I, my my primary goal has always been comic book oriented. So then, what and else it is, still is? So so,
0: what else is there to achieve in comics? I mean, you've you've got the Walking Dead, which is hugely successful, probably the most successful creator on book. You have Invincible, which, while yes, it has not become the only superhero comic people read, it's excellent. You have Skybound. You're publishing other works. Greg,
1: Greg I'm not going to be happy with my comic book career until I have destroyed Marvel Comics. Wait, what? I'm saying I want to outdo Marvel Comics, and I'm, I want to take them down. Wow. I want creator own comics to not only thrive, I want them to dominate, and I want Marvel Comics to crumble. Wow. That is... I,
0: I've never heard you say that before. That... Is that – that's –
1: Sure. You you haven't heard me say that before?
0: I have not heard you say that before. I think a lot of
1: people have have, uh, gotten that message, and they got it loud and clear.
0: Wow. Okay. Maybe I'm not paying – I mean, I thought I was paying a lot of attention. So – but then, okay, this raises a good question then. Like, has this always been your goal?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: absolutely. You could say that, sure. So then – so does that mean that – okay, hold on, hold on. Does that mean that when you were talking about The Walking Dead, it's like okay, this is the world that you knew, and it's gone. and You could build something new. Was that a metaphor?
1: Sounds like you're really reading into things. But again, I'm gonna say, uh, sure, that's a great metaphor. I like sounding smart. Okay, but then, you know, when uh, yeah, you know, when uh, Marvel Comics crumbles down, and uh, you know, all the fans are upset about that, you know, there's gonna be other books for them. Marvel and, Zombies. Well, Marvel Zombies. Uh, that's an example of a, of a book that I did at Marvel myself.
0: Well, we're going to get to that, but I'm saying, like,
1: the fans, like, if the fans Marvel were gone, absolutely. if Marvel were
0: gone, you'd have the Marvel zombies wandering.
1: They'd, they'd be wandering around aimlessly, not sure what to do, but the rest of us would, you know, we would survive and we keep the comic book industry going.
0: All right, so you mentioned this is. I have all these notes, and then, like, I guess there's a way to. All right. Here's what the. I guess the thing I'm not understanding, or maybe you can explain this. I, I'm,
1: I, by the way, I, I find it amusing that you got all these notes in preparation for this, <laughs> yeah. and you've still never read a single issue of the comic book that has made me the most notoriety.
0: Well, one thing about what I try and do is I try to ask the questions that you may not typically get asked. So I figured, like, let me look at the other stuff around, because I imagine you do interviews, all they talk about is The Walking Dead. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, so I'm just trying to find a different angle, I suppose. That's besides the point. So you just mentioned Marvel zombies, and you mentioned that you've always had this goal. But there was a, a, a clip where you were doing work at Marvel. So this is, I guess maybe now I'm trying to like, what's the word where you, you're trying to like put the pieces together? There's a word for this that I can't think of right now because... Combine? No. Puzzle? Let's move on. Transform? <laughs> we will move on from the word choice. So, you were working for Marvel Comics. That's right. You were... Of course I was. I mean... Marvel it,
1: Comics is the, is one of the premier comic book publishers in the country.
0: But, you, but if, you want to dis, if you want to see Marvel gone, if you want to personally destroy Marvel, how are you... I mean, that's w- sleeping with the enemy.
1: No, that's, that is a classic example of infiltration and sabotage. In- you okay. can do the most damage once you're inside than you can outside.
0: Okay, okay. So... That's interesting. So I have a bunch of the things you worked on at Marvel. Can we go through these and, and you can explain how they were? All right. Let's hear it. Okay. So obviously the first one's Marvel Zombies. Like that's
1: the one that you made your splash. That that was the perfect book at the perfect time because I was already known for The, for the Walking Dead at that point. Yeah. And they said they just served it up on a plate. Here's a chance to ruin every Marvel character that we have. <laughs> interesting. Okay. <laughs> I, I make them do the most heinous things imaginable but i i and i thought for sure that that book would fail as a result of it but it turns out the audience really likes having all of their characters their favorite characters and have a dark turn on them okay so that that kind of backfired i mean as far as
0: i could tell it probably made you sell more copies of walking dead probably it probably helped you in one side but didn't help on the other side well that that's that's a whole other argument yes that is true so then the other book that you you did a good run on I think, like, two years or something, was Marvel Team-Up.
1: Right, Marvel Team-Up. Spider-Man teaming up with different characters in the Marvel Universe. And I thought for sure I had a really great opportunity this time because I think people understood Marvel zombies was a, a separate reality. Yeah. So this is my first book that's in, it's in the actual mainstream continuity with the real Spider-Man and the real Marvel Universe. Yeah. And so I thought I could really make that, that book crash and burn. And I, I did everything that I could to make it fail. I even... I even brought in my own character, Invincible, <laughs> to did, come in yeah. and, and insult all the characters in that in that book to, to make them seem inferior to the book, to, to Invincible and all the characters in his book, to show them that my universe was yeah. better. And I, I was literally crushing <laughs> their book from the inside. It was I – basically, I was a creator that had infiltrated and sabotaged the Mar- – trying to infiltrate and sabotage Marvel. Yeah. And then my creation, Invincible, literally infiltrated and sabotaged the Marvel team up. Wow. Okay, and then, so
0: that was within the Marvel Universe. Then you also did work in the Ultimate Universe with Ultimate X Men. How were you? How
1: were you putting the kibosh through well, that book? The Ultimate, you know, the Ultimate Universe was was a really popular line of books for a while because it was a, it was a chance to to take you know your favorite characters and you and you had a lot more freedom that you didn't have to re, be restricted by previous continuity. Sure. You know, starting it over. And with Ultimate X Men, you know, I, I was keenly aware. That a lot of today's readers still complain about things that happened 20 years ago, back sure. in the 90s. Sure. You know, back when comics were more popular than they ever were. Yeah. Or have been. And one of the things they used to complain about was Wolverine. Was pop, now I'm so sick of the most popular character, Wolverine, showing up in every book all the time. <laughs> That's right. And they were complaining about everything that Rob Liefeld was doing. Yeah. And they still complain about, oh, Cable is ridiculous. So I thought Ultimate X Men. I'm going to make Wolverine and Cable the same guy. <laughs> I'm going to double up on the things that they hate. That and and you did that how? Well, what I how did I make them the same guy? Well, yeah. Cable's from the future, right? And you know, in the original the original Cable in the MC, in the Marvel Comics universe, you know, his identity was in question for a long time before it was finally revealed that he was Cyclops's son, raised in the future and then returned to the present, right? and a lot of people didn't like all these you know what they considered to be hokey things that Rob Liefeld did back then so I thought in the ultimate X-Men I would do the same thing Cable he had an uncertain identity and I was going to reveal that he's actually Wolverine from the future return to the present
0: he's Wolverine from the future exactly alright and, and I guess that uh, fans did not like that
1: well you know, I, I thought that the book would be canceled in, uh, in two issues, but they kept me—they kept me on that book for two years.
0: <laughs> wow. Okay. Uh, and then, I guess the other book that you are known for—I don't know—but you wrote Irredeemable Ant-Man.
1: That's right.
0: Which, I mean, just the title alone, Irredeemable. Yes. Yeah, that of. sounds like
1: it would be a good title of a comic book.
0: <laughs> you well, know, I mean, it is. It became a comic book. How about that?
1: Yeah. Next thing you know, they'll make a comic book called Ant-Man. They got a movie coming out. Of course they're going to.
0: Can we talk about what your approach was to Ant-Man, how that acted? Well, you know, it's your... right there
1: in the title, Irredeemable. I tried to make this, you know, it's supposed to be about the worst person. Right. A, a superhero who is not somebody that you would look up to. And at first I thought, great, that, that'll just be Hank Pym. <laughs> yeah, sure. I mean – Here's, here's a guy that everybody everybody likes to talk about how Marvel Comics' superheroes are flawed characters. You got your Spider-Man who's uh you know carrying the weight of the guilt of his uncle's death on his shoulders. Sure. You got Iron Man, Tony Stark. He's invincible with that suit, but he's got a heart problem. Sure. So, These are all the, the legendary uh, Marvel things. So at some point, they decided, Ant-Man, you know what? He should beat up his wife. People are going to really <laughs> respond to that. So I thought I was going to take that to the next level and just do issue after issue about how Ant Man beats up his wife and beats up his different girlfriends. <laughs> oh God, in their in their wisdom, they rejected that concept and they said, "Listen, you're not going to have Hank Pym. People already don't like him because of the whole wife beating incident." Yeah. So I decided, well, I don't have access to Hank Pym. We're gonna we'll, we'll just start from the ground up with a new character, and I was going to make him really unlikable, you know, a total douchebag sort of a character. Sure. And I, I was trying to write the worst comic that I could, and uh, a lot of the Marvel fans responded the way that I expected them to, <laughs> and they did not like that book. But I, but I'm going to tell you something. They're using that character in the new movie. You're going to see a lot of the things that people hated about my comic book going to show up in that movie, and people are going to love him in the movie.
0: But they'll but they'll call him uh, he's Scott Lang in the movie, right? I mean, I haven't seen it.
1: They, they might call him a different you – know, there's so many ways that they – Gone left and right and up and down with that character. There's so many different versions of them. You know they have they can call them whatever they want, but you're going to recognize the way that that guy behaves as the guy I wrote. So how do you react to that? Like you see,
0: like okay, here's a book that fans hated. Um, I mean, you purposely were writing a book for them to hate, but then they're using. Again, I haven't seen the movie, but in, in theory, they're going to be using a lot of this in the movie.
1: Well, that that just goes to show you that I'm so talented that even when I was doing my even when I was doing my absolute worst. To write a terrible comic book, it's still better than anything else they're doing. So at this point,
0: it seems like you, you've made these efforts to infiltrate from inside. None of this apparent clearly none of this has really worked because Marvel is still standing. So at what point were you like, all right, I guess this isn't working, or did you have any other efforts
1: to— Well, I, I finally just f- figured i have to pull out the big guns. Okay. You know, I, I thought I pushed it as far as I could with Irredeemable Ant Man, and that didn't seem to work. So I just went off the rails, and I figured I'm gonna I'm gonna bring in the secret weapon, somebody that I knew, Marvel comic book fans hated more than anybody else in the industry, Rob Liefeld. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Rob so Liefeld this, and I worked so is on this. A book, is Kill Raven. Kill Raven. We put a book together. Kill Raven. This never seen print. A, a lot of people think. Oh, that book never saw print because Rob Liefeld, he can't commit to a project. Let me tell you something. That entire book has been dr- written and drawn. It is finished. It is ready to be printed. They never printed it because they recognized that I succeeded in making a terrible book that would destroy the company if they were to ever put that out. In fact, all the people that ever worked on it internally in editorial, that book got passed around and around because it was a, they thought it had some sort of a curse on it. You know, the first guy that read it had got a flu, and then he got into a car accident, and then he had to leave the company. The same guy? Yes. Wow. The next guy that read it, he started getting sick. He had a, he got a lung infection. He got pneumonia. Wow. The third person they passed it to died two weeks after they read it. So, hold on. Now it's sitting in a drawer somewhere, and someday someone's going to open up that drawer and just have a heart attack instantly.
0: Wow, that is amazing. I could imagine a book like that getting out. Like, if it caused that kind of trouble for internally, like if that thing saw print, and more people read it, there's no way. I mean, the
1: liability suit, like, well, uh, that would take down. That would take Marvel down. You know, I, honestly, I, that's not something I really wanted to do. I wasn't. I didn't want to kill anybody with that book. You know, I certainly don't want to kill anybody internally. And to be honest with you, I, I'm suspicious that that's all just you know made up nonsense in, uh, internally. You know, to get people at the company to not like me anymore.
0: Yeah, I mean, you would know better than I would.
1: Yeah, well, you know, there's a reason why I'm not working there anymore. <laughs> and uh, it, it's uh, it's mostly because I don't want to, uh, but it's also, if I did want to, I don't think they would let me.
0: That's a nice segue, because that takes us to, shortly thereafter, you you put a mission statement out. It's online, people can watch it, it's on YouTube, and you, you, you're standing in front of a green screen and you're talking about how... Yep. Yeah. I want to explain why I left. Why I left Marvel Comics. That's right. And you and you set forth this mission statement.
1: Uh, yep.
0: And and then and everybody hated my guts. Well, not every. I mean, I I will say I watched the mission statement. I thought it was, it was super interesting. I thought you were right about a lot of things. But I'm curious to know, now with this new information, about your 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 actual mission statement. Like this was the mission that you put out. But, you know, not 10 minutes ago, you told me that you, since the beginning, you've wanted to destroy Marvel. So how does the... Well,
1: Greg, I still want to save the comic book industry. Just because I want to destroy Marvel doesn't mean I want, to, I want to. I don't want to save comics. But I guess that begs the question. So In order to save comics, Greg, we have to destroy Marvel.
0: Okay. So that's where I'm asked. So I guess it's, it's two parts to this. So in the beginning of your mission statement, you talk about how you, you bring up the idea of the the fanboy becomes the fan man becomes the old man becomes the dead man and how the audience is shrinking and how to keep things vital. The name creators at the big companies. And now we could say Marvel specifically, right? Should leave to do creator own work. Exactly. And then the second part of your mission statement was that the big companies, Marvel and DC specifically should be doing books aimed for kids and new readers. So I want to parse it into two parts. So, I guess on the, we'll go backwards. So the kids thing, like that's, that's actually good advice. Like I agree with that. That was the thing that I most agreed with in the entire mission. Statement. Well, well, Greg,
1: I stand by that. It's the thing that no, most people seem to ignore. Yeah, that's right. They did ignore it exactly the way I knew they would ignore it. Cause that's good advice. And at that point they hated me so much that they were going to do the exact opposite of anything I suggested. Kind of a reverse psychology play there. Yeah. I knew that they weren't going to do what
0: I said they should do. Okay, so then so then that in tandem with pulling creators from
1: I stand by that but that was no, there's no reverse psychology there. That was just straight up telling facts to top comic book creators and letting them know, "Hey, you there's a there's a place for you over here making creator-owned comics and you can succeed."
0: But I'm saying in combination if the top creators left Marvel, right? And then Marvel wasn't making books for kids, that's that's a deadly combination.
1: Yeah, th- how are they going to succeed? Right. I'm taking. uh, I was deliberately trying to poach all their talent away from that company, and again, send them headed straight into oblivion. I I understand that. So
0: that hasn't happened. That chain of events hasn't happened. But there are a number of creators who did go off to do their own thing. There are, you know, it could be argued that since 2007 or 2008, when you made this statement, there's been a growth of creator-owned books. Brian K. Vaughn, if you want to staples, do Saga. That's right. Uh, Ed Brubaker left Marvel. He does Fade Out, Velvet, and Criminal. And then Matt Fraction and Chip Zdarsky do their book Sex Criminals. And Joe Casey has his book Sex.
1: Yep, yep, yep. Sex, Sex Criminals. There's Sex Castle. Yeah. There's Sex Planet. Sex Saga. Sex Science. Sexology. Thief of Sex. Deadly sex class, sex and violence, sex and violins, sexy violins, sexy violence, sexy bastards, sex hero, sex and tights, sexy time traveler, sex, extreme sex explorers, witches of sex wick, sex witches, supernatural science fiction, sex ghosts, sex lands, men and women. Did somebody say sex? Sex bullets? satellite sex east of sex north south east sex sexy identities manhattan sex projects sexy sex i sex o sex u, sex sometimes why sex cast by sex men and as a sexer sextronauts sex the comic sex prophet sexy dragon sex men sex force sex factor the zombie hookers from outer space
0: Yeah, I mean all those books are doing really well, doing well by their creators.
1: It's almost like and they're all
0: creator owned.
1: That's right. That's the thing that all those books have in common, is that they're all creator owned.
0: Yeah, so it's sort of like the old saying, creator owned sells. That's right. Yeah, it's pretty it's amazing I mean that's something you should Everybody knows it. Yeah. I mean that seems like a feather in your cap at the very least. Like you know the mission
1: I think that I proved my point. At least with at least that part of the mission statement has been proven to be true.
0: Yes. So now the other part of the the mission statement that I thought was almost like funny, you know, you have a sense of humor as you like, I want to get all the heads of the companies together. Like maybe we can go on a cruise. It's like obviously that never, like obviously that never happened.
1: Oh, that actually that happened.
0: Wait, that everybody got together or the cruise part?
1: Uh, Everybody got together on a cruise that I organized.
0: Really? Okay. Hold on, hold on. So this cruise actually happened. I would love to hear about this cruise, if well, you can talk about it. I, mean,
1: I, I just, uh, you know, I, I called up the cruise company. Yeah. I said I wanted to book for X number of people. Uh, I I got in touch with all the major, the heads of the major companies. Oh. I invited everybody from all the major companies. Uh, I, I knew that Marvel wasn't going to show up because they do the opposite of anything that I suggest they should do. <laughs> sure. And so the idea was it would be... The entire comic book industry, all all the bigwigs, all the all the heads of the major companies, except for Marvel, colluding together to figure out how we can collectively work together to destroy Marvel Comics.
0: I guess that, that yeah okay interesting. So then what happens?
1: Well, the problem with that plan was Marvel actually showed up. I think <laughs> I think that once they realized that everybody else was actually listening to me, that that might have got them a little bit scared, you know? Right. And sure. so they came in and tried to make sure that they could, you know, dominate the conversation. And they kind of took control of the whole thing and took it out of my hands. Huh. So so there I am on the cruise ship. I paid for the whole thing. I set the whole thing up. You paid for the whole thing? Yeah. Wow. Look, you know, I'm telling you, create your own comic books. You can make some money on that. People yeah. don't want to listen to me, but it's true.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And so there I was on the ship. And there's Marvel eating from my buffet, drinking my drinks, watching my magician, playing my shuffleboard, and I can't get I can't get anybody to talk to me at all. So this was a a wash. It completely backfired.
0: You were you were out at sea literally. Absolutely. So then what do you do after you've spent that much money and tried such a big effort. Like, how do you how do you pivot from that point? Like, at, at what point do you start going? Maybe this isn't going to work.
1: Well, I went back and I thought, well, what has worked so far? And I did achieve a certain degree of success in luring some of the top creators away from the company. Right. But their biggest guy, their biggest shining star, is still there, 100%. My, Brian Michael Bendis was still at Marvel Comics, and he was basically holding the whole company up. He was the foundation of everything that they're doing.
0: So your target now is Bendis.
1: Right, I decided if I could convince Bendis to leave, then they wouldn't have nobody to hold that place up anymore.
0: So is this does this tie into the Bendis debate that that you did at Baltimore Comic-Con?
1: Yeah, because you know, Bendis or he wasn't like a lot of other Mar- people at Marvel, they didn't want to listen to anything I was saying and I was sure that I could convince him, but he just wouldn't talk to me. So do you remember uh, back when Tom McFarland and Peter David had that famous? I do. I have the. Clippings. the I have
0: that all clipped. the The transcript from Comic Spire's Guide. I have that all. Uh, I cut it out and taped it, so I have a, a record of that debate. Right. So I, I this is before it, the internet. Yeah, yeah it was like that.
1: It was like a circus atmosphere, sort of a thing, and everybody yeah. was paying attention.
0: Didn't Didn't Todd
1: come out shirtless
0: with like a boxing gloves?
1: Yeah, he he came out. Th- yeah, you know, he was just you know. Like, putting on a show. Yeah, he put on a show. Like wasn't taking the thing seriously and all that kind of thing.
0: But you were serious.
1: I was completely serious. And I thought if I could get Bendis to come out and, and debate me publicly, this would be the first opportunity I actually have to put forth a serious argument that he might listen to. Sure. So even though we were doing it in front of a crowd of people... I was literally talking just to Brian Michael Bendis and nobody else.
0: Yeah, I mean, the video is on. You could watch it. It's on YouTube. There's video. You're there. You have your charts. You're bringing out charts. You're showing him numbers. I did
1: my research. I wanted to show him that I was serious. I wanted to show him where the numbers lined up and where his claims didn't line up with the numbers. Yeah. And I thought I could convince him.
0: It was it was pretty convincing. It was I mean, again, numbers, you, you can't beat math, right?
1: This is research. This is data. This is the kind of things that a lot of people never ever use when they argue.
0: <laughs> so there's two things I noticed watching this debate. So on the one hand, Bendis sort of takes, doesn't really take to the to the numbers. He's sort of more making fun of the the mission statement video and the banjo music and the green screen.
1: Yeah, you know, yeah, he's just kind of trying to you know make a joke out of the whole thing and not take me seriously and make fun of me.
0: But then the other thing I was thinking was because I've been in panel rooms, I've, I've. I've seen, you know, I've been in that situation. I've been up on the dais. Like, just feeling, and this this might be overstating it, but like watching the video on YouTube, I just feel this sort of energy in the room. It seemed like this room was not on your side. Like, they are there on the side of Marvel, on the side of Bendis. It seemed like you're in a room uh, all alone. Were you, like, did you get that feeling?
1: uh, Yeah, I definitely got that feeling. But uh, I did have uh, I had one guy in the front row um, that I knew was on my side. I had Eric Stevenson there. Okay. I had another buddy of mine uh, in the back of the room, or in the in the comic book depository. Okay. And I had an- another friend of mine in the grassy knoll. Grassy
0: knoll. Now is,
1: is is Grassy Knoll a metaphor? Grassy, what would that be a metaphor for? I oh. a metaphor of five.
0: Metaphor 5-6. Yeah, I guess that's...
1: I had a, I had a friend in the, in the comic book depository, I had a friend in the grassy knoll, and I had Eric Stevenson right up front.
0: I... I... I don't know. Sometimes it's a metaphor, sometimes it's not a metaphor. You know what I mean? So I just... A lot of this stuff I'm hearing for the very first time, so I'm just yeah. reacting. What
1: I needed to do was I needed to get Brian Michael Bendis out of Marvel. And if I couldn't take him out of Marvel, I needed to take him out.
0: Because he was the head architect. and if
1: Exactly. Without, and without him, the whole company would collapse.
0: Again, metaphors, architects, house of ideas, etc. Okay, so the Bendis debate didn't work. He didn't switch sides. He didn't move over.
1: No, he just kind of laughed at me for showing up with charts. So here we're
0: sitting. It's 2015 as we record this. And Marvel is not only not destroyed... They've been bought by Disney. They seem to be growing. Their movies are huge. So, like again, not to not to keep hitting this point, but at at one point, do you reach a point where you say like, "Well, I haven't. I've I've done everything I can do." Like, do you have any other tricks up your sleeve? No, Is there some I, other part of this plan?
1: I still have plans. I, I, I haven't given up yet, Greg. You know, like I said, from from when I started self-publishing with Battle Pope. You know, the odds are against you, but you keep on trying.
0: So, what could you possibly have in mind? To,
1: I'm I'm gonna buy the company.
0: You're gonna buy Marvel Comics.
1: You can't. If I can't destroy it from from without from from outside the companies, I'm just gonna buy the whole damn company myself and destroy it. <laughs> Okay. Now if I buy that company I can do whatever I want with it. And so how
0: how are you possibly expecting I mean they're literally owned by Disney at this point. How are you possibly expecting to buy Marvel Comics? That's not that's not going to buy a box of cereal at the grocery store.
1: Well, you know, I, I obviously it's not a box of cereal, but I can afford more than a box of cereal. I can afford oh, yeah. several boxes of cereal. Well, sure. I mean Greg I've been saying it since the beginning that creator on comics can can earn you some money. I've been saving up my money. You're in my house right now. You look at this place. Is this a mansion?
0: No, it's actually quite modest. Yeah. I was I was I don't want to say surprised. I don't know you well enough. I'm
1: not spending my money on extravagant things. I don't need that much space. And you know, this house is all I need it to be for for my wife and kids. So I I, I take the money that I do have and I and I invest it. I yeah. save it. And that money, you know, if you if you can invest your money the right way, you can, you can turn that money into more money. They say it takes money to make money, and that's true.
0: Yeah, that I, I've I've heard that. So, okay, so I guess this is the question that since you since you mentioned this thing about destroying Marvel and you've sort of hit that point a number of times, and now you're talking about spending all this money to do it because it would not again. It's more than a box of cereal. I can't help but think like. Wow, that's a, that's that's spending a lot of money to destroy something. You know, it's like you hear the story of of those ET cartridges that Atari made that like were so bad that they're buried in a in a vault somewhere in in the desert. That
1: wasn't such a bad game, you know.
0: I I remember not being very fond of it, but there's a lot of Atari games that I can remember not being very. That Superman game wasn't great, but to to get to the, it's it's I'm trying to understand.
1: Well, like, Greg, I'm not going to bury the company in a landfill like an ET cartridge.
0: Well, no, obviously, I mean that's that's. I'm not saying literally, but there's there seems I just maybe I'm not understanding.
1: I mean, I believe like, they have offices in New York and L.A. I don't know how I'm going to actually take those office buildings, bring them into the desert, in New Mexico, right? Dig a hole deep I, enough to <laughs> fit them, and then pour them over with sand.
0: Right, right. What I'm saying is, it seems like a lot of money and a lot of effort to. Destroy something like I'm not even like on the one hand it's like you're honoring a promise or an idea you had when you were in middle school or or high school, which if you asked me to honor any promise I made in high school, I'd tell you that's ridiculous but that but beyond that, that's a lot of money to spend for no end game except get rid of this company like that's a lot of people out of work that's a lot of like you know I know you talked about how you can build a new, but it seems. Or, or is the ultimate goal to take all the Marvel characters and, and like feed them into the Invincible universe? Like, is that the end game?
1: Oh no, I, you know that that doesn't make any sense at all, Greg. I okay. didn't create those characters. Invincible right. is a creator-owned book. Yes, I didn't create Spider-Man. I didn't create Captain America.
0: But by buying Marvel Comics, you would be buying those characters. Like, is that the goal to buy those characters?
1: No, I'm going to give those characters back to the original creators. That means Steve Ditko. Get Spider Man back, he can do whatever he wants to with Spider Man. The Kirby family will get Captain America, Thor, Hulk, Fantastic Four, Inhumans. Lynn ween John Romita Sr. gonna get Wolverine back. Lynn ween and Dave Cockrum are gonna get the all new, all different X Men like Colossus, Nightcrawler, Storm, Banshee. Uh, Chris Claremont and John Byrne they get Kitty pride Sure. Yeah, Walt Simonson he created Beta Ray Bill. He gets Beta Ray Bill back. That's awesome. Uh, Frank Miller, Electra the Assassin. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, classics. Well, Frank Miller finally gets Electra back where it belongs. You know, Michael Golden, he'll get Rogue. Bill Mantlo is going to get Rocket Raccoon back. Jim Shooter's finally going to get his hands on The Beyonder again. Gary Friedrich and Mike Plug, they get Ghost Rider. Doug Mensch and Don Perlin, they get Moon Knight. Louis Simonson and June Brigman, they get Power Pack. Nice. Greg. You and Jay Ferber, yeah, you get the kids that you created in the last What If comic, the offspring oh, from the yeah, from yeah. the Secret Wars, and may, maybe you could talk to Jim Shooter about doing a Secret Wars sequel because he's going to have the Beyonder. That's you know what I like the sound of this. Eric Larson, he's going to get Cardiac, he's going to get Cyborg X. Rob Liefeld, he gets Cable, Deadpool, he even gets Grizzly, Domino, and Gideon. Rob Liefeld created a lot of characters. He sure did. Yeah, yeah. Mark Silvestri and Larry Hama—they're gonna get Albert and LCD. I remember them. You remember them, the yeah, robots?
0: Yeah. It's like a robot, robot Wolverine,
1: and a, and robot, a little, little girl, girl robot. Yeah, and they created that little girl robot. <laughs> yes, they they're did. gonna get them back too. Yeah, that's awesome. Jim Lee, Chris Claremont—they get Omega Red. Why wouldn't they? Yeah. Todd McFarlane—he gets Venom, which he shares with with Dave Miccolini, Right. And I'm even giving Todd McFarlane Angela back. That's.
0: That's that's almost poetic but like why not Neil Gaiman?
1: Oh, well, Neil Gaiman happily sold Angela to Marvel Comics. That, that's it, true. It doesn't doesn't you know, none of these other people actually sold these characters. Look, if Neil Gaiman wants to share ownership with with Angela again, then by all means I can talk to him about that. But as far as I'm as far as I know, he he did not want Angela. He did everything he could to sell Angela. Uh but if he wants her sure, we can talk about that. You give
0: Miracle Man back to Alan Moore? Absolutely. Nice. Now, you've gone through this whole list, and there's one name that is very much you have not mentioned, and it's the person that gets a lot of credit for creating these characters. You haven't mentioned Stan Lee
1: at all. Well, well Stan Lee died 10 years ago. Wait, what? Stan Lee died 10 years ago. Wait, what? Stan Lee died 10 years ago. I don't know. Th- how. What? Uh, the, the, the real Stan Lee? Yeah. The real Stan uh, the man who was who getting the credit for creating half of the Marvel Comics universe? Yeah, yeah, he died ten years ago. So who's? But he's in
0: all the movies. He's showing up.
1: Greg, Stanley ain't nothing other than his mustache, a pair of dark sunglasses, and a really nice thick head of hair. You can create that costume on anybody. You can. You telling me that they can't make makeup artists make a guy look like Stanley? Put him in a movie. They they can do that completely with digital effects these days. So then
0: this is, all right, if I'm believing that, which is almost hard to believe because you believe what you can see on some level.
1: Well, you know, you can see that they took Stan Lee's name off of those books a long time ago. That's true. So then,
0: but you mentioned earlier the Kirby estate would get. So why not? That's right. Why not? Uh, Stan Lee's offspring and his estate. Oh,
1: well, that's because Stan Lee, well, the circumstances surrounding his death are rather mysterious, but on his deathbed, on his original deathbed, when he was dying, he was so overcome with the guilt, he finally admitted that he didn't have a hand in creating any of these characters, that they were all 100% Jack Kirby's ideas, and that all he did was supply scripting but Marvel Comics couldn't have that because it would mean that Stan Lee would have to retract all the things that he'd been saying in support of Marvel Comics versus the Kirby estate and they couldn't have that so they made sure to keep him silent forever and they replaced him with an animatronic metallic man who's not
0: even a person impersonating him you're saying it's a robot
1: it's a robot that's programmable he's got he can say just like any Marvel Comics action figure he's got three phrases he can say <laughs>
0: <laughs> this is... I mean, obviously one of them is Make Mine Marvel.
1: Make Mine Marvel?
0: Excelsior? Right. Yeah.
1: Face front, true believers?
0: Yeah, I guess that's really all he needs to say. This is... Insane.
1: So as far as I'm concerned, he has forfeited any claim that he had to those characters because there are documents that are sealed up somewhere at the Great, what I'm telling you right now.
0: This is... 100% insane. I I mean, again, I write notes down. I do a lot of research. This is all, I don't even know, I mean, thank you. I don't know what else to, you've got me completely, this is an incredible story. Well, you're welcome. This is not what I expected at all. Uh, well,
1: Greg, you know, your your interview skills, You you know how to get things out of people that they never said before.
0: I am. You should be proud of yourself. Thank you, Robert Kirkman. This was eye opening.
1: Yeah. You're welcome. Oh.
0: And there you have it. A another now second year in a row April Fool's episode you maybe figured it out you maybe didn't I want to know if you did or didn't if you figured out that it was a joke or didn't figure out it was a joke I want to know when that happened so you can send me a message on Twitter at Greg G-R-E-G-G-S-C-H-I-G-I-L or email the show at stuff said at gmail.com or leave a comment at the website, stuff said show.com. Any of those would be awesome. And if you hated it and hate me for releasing it and duping you, um, sorry. That's all I can say. I am actually quite happy with what we did with this show. I think it's pretty entertaining and I hope you were entertained as well. There is a Robert Kirkman episode coming. A real Robert Kirkman episode with the real Robert Kirkman. It's a good one. It's long. It's two hours. And that will be coming out on April 15th in 14 days. So it will wash the taste of this out of your head if you are disgusted by the whole enterprise. If you've made it this far. But if you liked what you heard... By all means, go to iTunes, leave a review, leave five stars, say something awesome. Uh, Let's say pulling from this episode, yeesh, what could you possibly say? Um, Grassy Knoll, just write Grassy Knoll if you want to leave a review relative to this episode. The show is also not only on iTunes, but it's available through the Acme Wave Projector at acmewaveprojector.com. I'll I'll refrain from too many plugs. You guys have given me plenty of your time, as is. Uh, so with that, I will say the theme music for Stuff Said is written and composed and performed by Craig Chin, who you can learn more about at rudeanagrams.com. For more about me, you can visit hatterentertainment.com. That's about all the stuff I have left to say. See you next time. So the idea is we do an April Fool's show where I'd have somebody do your voice and ask silly questions. It would be ridiculous, but it would be an interview with Robert Kirkman, K-U-R-K-M-A-N, if you would be okay with that. Sure, I would be totally fine with that. But, I mean, I still get to be on the podcast myself, right? I mean, yeah, yeah, your show would follow immediately after. Like, it would be okay. April Fool's. It's a big joke. The real show's coming in 15 days. Okay, yeah, yeah. But So I still get to do my podcast, and I get to do... I get to do my voice even though you're going to have a fake guy. Yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah. Great.
0: Awesome. La, 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 la.